What's up, BYU Radio friends? Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here on the latest BYU Sports Nation. What win-loss record would surprise all of you for BYU football over the final five games? On the next episode, Austin Don't Call Me Texas College joins us in studio as we look ahead to the big game with the Longhorns. Listen on demand, Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, or tune in live at noon Eastern for BYUSN here on BYU Radio, baby. Next on BYUSN, with one of the toughest schedules in the nation remaining, what would shock us from BYU football in the final five games? Plus, my one-on-one with offensive lineman Paul Miley. Blaine Fowler joins us as well. He thinks the BYU offense has a big game in them in the final five. And we've got a Texas-sized edition of Top 5 Tuesday. You better believe these two plays are going to be in there. Uh-huh. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Tuesday, October 24th. I am Spencer Linton. He is a man who likes to take things in a single bound, Jerem Jordan. Last night, Fred Warner uh, pulled the Comrail, dove over at the goal line, got a stop on Kirk Cousins, uh, which was pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah. So the BYU fans know, hey, historically, this is, this is the Comrail. 1984 at Hawaii in a must-have game. BYU wins this game 18-13, holds uh, Hawaii to a field goal. I believe it was on third down. Kyle Morrell jumps over the goal line. And does a flip. Yeah. And so Fred, Freddie, uh, kind of showing us the Comrail. So that was pretty cool. L- uh, luckily, Fred was okay. It looked like he got seriously hurt in last night's game. Came back in the game. He was all right. Uh, Vikings end up pulling a- off the upset. But yeah, what a-, what a play by Fred, man! Unbelievable. One of our comrades, Hunter Miller, said Fred Warner does something amazing every single game. And I was like, it's, you know what? You're right. It's he real. does something amazing every single game he plays in. I mean, he's uh, obviously Steve Young's the greatest player, college and pro combined ever from BYU. But like Fred is way up there on the list. I, I did not see Fred being like a top five all-time BYU football game. You never do. Like, is Puka going to be the greatest receiver in the NFL from BYU? Like, yeah, he puts up uh, two seasons of this. He's going to pass Austin Collie, which is hard to do. Austin is, is the GOAT. The superlatives surrounding BYU football in the NFL continue to amaze me. It's awesome, man. You have the best linebacker in the game. You have probably the most cherished personality in the game in Jamal Williams. You have the most unique player in all of the NFL in Taysom Hill. And you have maybe the best rookie. I mean, he's in the conversation. He's in the conversation. He's in the conversation in Puka Nakua. Yeah. No, he is. Uh, fantasy football, everyone's. Trying to grab him after week one. And let's not forget Zach Wilson, who, for better or worse, is the He's most discussed constantly. talked about player in the NFL, it feels like. Sometimes, yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's great, man. This, this is probably what it was like in the 80s, where it was like, yeah, we just have dudes that on Sunday we enjoy watching. Yes, ab- absolutely. On that note, rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending. BYU has risen up and beaten teams they're not supposed to beat. BYU needs to simultaneously attack and then play more cleanly. They're very active. They're very aggressive. And when the opportunity arises, they take advantage of it. A season-long underdog role for BYU football. You just heard from ESPN's Trevor Maddich saying, BYU's beaten teams, they weren't supposed to beat on paper. It's going to be this way the rest of the season. Yeah. BYU will be an underdog for the final five games, including, obviously, against top 10 Texas in Austin. Has BYU been a favorite in a Power 5 game? 
No. <laughs> It'll be over all year it in terms maybe, of Vegas. Maybe right? we'll swing their way with Iowa State, depending on what happens over the next few weeks. But even that seems iffy. BYU yeah. wasn't a home favorite against Cincinnati, for crying out loud. Yeah. They were still a one-point dog when that game kicked off. Well, it's amazing. It ended up being, in some places, even with Cincinnati. But you weren't, you weren't uh, the favorite, I guess you could say. So with that in mind, and looking ahead at one of the toughest remaining schedules in the country, fifth toughest, according to ESPN's Football Power Index, BYU's given all of a 5% chance to win at Texas, 33.5% chance at West Virginia the week following. It, it, this is what BYU is dealing with. It's, it's what they're going to deal with the whole season. So, BYU deserves this by the way they're playing on offense, by the way. I, like, I agree. Does it mean I think BYU's going to lose all the games? No. The metrics. But I agree with those numbers. The numbers and the metrics that BYU has put forth absolutely make sense when you look at, sorry, the percentages of chance winning that they are given yeah. makes sense based on what BYU has done offensively. Yes, it, but what you don't account for is, oh, BYU is going to take the ball away. Turnovers. And if they do, they win. Field if they, position. If they do not, they lose. Yes. Like, uh, TCU is the exception. Just straight up got beat. Just manhandled. Ken Kansas, you lose because of turnovers. Yes. And then you win all the other Power 5 games because takeaways. Ken Pomeroy has the luck metric in basketball. Yeah. If BYU had a luck metric in football, it It'd would be, be near the top of the country. You need some luck. You need yeah. some good things to happen your yeah. way. Five and two. <laughs> <laughs> to me, Spencer, <clears throat> this is the peak moment this week of how uh, many games above 500 BYU will be and the lead up to a big game. Yes. This is, to me, I, I, I wish it wasn't, but to me, this is as good as it gets this season. Five and two, feeling good, going into a big game. This is the pinnacle. Okay. I want there to be other pinnacles. Don't get me wrong. I want BYU to like win at West Virginia, beat Iowa State, and then say, no, no, no. It wasn't 5-2. and two, It was 7-3, and three, right? I want that. But I'm not sure that will happen. Okay. So that said, Jerem, over the final five games, what record in the win-loss column for BYU football would surprise you? Okay, five left. Zero wins would surprise me. Me too. But also three wins would surprise me. It would shock me. It would shock me, yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> one or two wins is kind of where I'm sitting. Um, and, you look, yeah, you look at the FPI rank. Like, okay, what BYU played at the beginning of the year? The teams that BYU has beaten, 9-28 mm -hmm. record. Yep. Arkansas and Cincinnati stink. I hate to say it. That Arkansas win was still good. Don't get me wrong. Just they have not performed well. Teams that BYU beat, 9-6. and six. TCU's 4-4. Four four. They're a 500 team. That's hard to swallow when you lose by 33. The remaining five opponents, 26-9. Uh, 26-9 and nine. Twenty combined. When I say enjoy it, when I say, hey, this is awesome, it's going to be tougher, 26-9. Like, if, if BYU wins one game, they're bowl eligible. I believe that will happen. Can BYU win a second is the question. Can BYU get to seven and five? That's the hope and prayer of this here BYU Sports Nation. I know there are many of you out there that are looking at those final five games and are thinking, well, if BYU wins two of those, that would surprise me. I have been on the seven wins train forever. I'm not about to get off, okay? This BYU typically will win a game or two where you're just like, huh? Did not see that coming. Didn't expect it. But then they'll drop a game or two where you're like, oh, gosh. And so over the final five, and given the history of BYU against power fives, with the win one you shouldn't, 
win one, you probably should. I expect BYU to go two and three. They win 40% of their power five. I think games. Arkansas was the surprise one, by the way, already. I think we already had it. I'm hoping for another one. But I don't want the, oh, we did not see BYU losing all three to the non-Texas Oklahomas. That would be bad. Then you may not go to a bowl game. You know, now that I think about it, because the final five are so tough, would any of those games be like, oh, man, I did not see BYU losing that game? No. No, FBI's screaming at us that they should lose all five. <laughs> like, or just win one, you know. But I, mean, I, I get it. Some of you are thinking, like, just win one more game. Two would surprise me. I, I think BYU's going to win seven games. I think they will figure be, out a that'd way. That'd be nice given how bad the offense has been. They'll figure out a way with turnovers good. and field position, and yeah. they're a well-disciplined team, and they've been opportunistic. They'll figure out a way to win two of the final five games. Three would absolutely shock me, though. If you go three would be four. Well, riddle me. Well, we may save this topic. If we don't do it, I'll just uh, tweet about it anyway. Uh, <laughs> is Would you rather beat Texas or Oklahoma and lose the rest? Or win the non-Texas Oklahoma three. I would get take, to eight wins. I would take those in a heartbeat. I'd get to eight wins. I would that, too. Like, I don't. You care. go six and six, but you have this like memorable top ten win, or you're eight and four, and uh, yeah. you, you had a really nice regular season. Now you've won at West Virginia and at Oklahoma State, and you've beaten Iowa and State Pro at Arkansas. You had like three P5 road wins in one year, which probably yeah. has never happened. I'm guessing. And you have a winning record in the Big 12 at five and four, and you're going to a nice bowl game. You're going to not uh, Shreveport. Shreveport. Yeah. <laughs> you think BYU breaks the huddle with not Shreveport? Is that ever like a huddle break for that? <laughs> it should be on like, our show. Like, <laughs> like before the show, we're like, all right, let's have a great show. Not, not Shreveport. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, hopefully BYU surprises us in a good way. I don't want a surprise in a bad way. Um, but what BYU has shown is that when it is highly undervalued, against hmm. like top seven teams, hmm. like 20 point dogs, they do stuff, okay. which brings us to the stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. Cougar stats. BYU opened up as a 20 and a half point underdog to number seven, Texas. The Whoa. last two times a 20 plus point underdog BYU faced a top seven team. 09, win versus Oklahoma, number three, 14, 13. And 2018, win versus number six, Wisconsin. Okay. Oh, ho, 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 ho. Well, well, well. <laughs> How the turns table. I like that stat. Is BYU going to be picked <laughs> as a super dog by somebody on ESPN's college game day? Herb Street did it for TCU, so he's not going back didn't there. Didn't work out well for Kirk that day. Yeah. Um, and, well, it hasn't worked out all year for Kirk in Super Dogs. He has been <laughs> terrible. But, or me for Big 12 Roundup. But how about that, man? That's when, unbelievable. Like, <sighs> the last two oh, times you've been a 20-plus point underdog? Let me, let me tell you, you about those games and why they're different than the, the situation. 09, BYU's really good. Mm -hmm. that's, a, all, that's a top 10 all-time BYU team. Sam Bradford gets hurt. That helps. Number uh, 20, Colby Claston's on the staff, by the way, for BYU. Yes, he is. Um, okay, 2018. Squally Canada outrushes Jonathan Taylor, who's with the Colts now in that game. That, that was – does BYU have um, the run support to merit something like that? But in Oklahoma, it was a grinder. You, Harvey Younger didn't play in that game. He was, he was injured. Brian Correa carried that. So you you don't have to also, be. Also, Wisconsin finished eight and five. Yeah, yeah. It was not a uh, top ten Wisconsin team. They are not as good but as Texas. When you beat a team who won wins eight games on the road 
That is a good win. It's always a great there's win. There's not a ton of those in BYU history. I, I don't know offhand, but there's not a lot of those. And on Oklahoma road, and Wisconsin plus. both finished with eight wins in those seasons. Tennessee 2019 yep. is one of those as well. They are hard to come by. Arkansas is not going to be one of those, right? Um, typically, that team's not that good. That's why you won. Woo pig. Woo pig suey. Win the final bacon. four and go to a bowl game. We will eat bacon again for you. Um, <laughs> so let's see what BYU can do, man. Let's go. All but, right. Like, why not? Just go compete. See if you can't. Like, if you lose to Texas by 20, you were picked to do that. Yes. Like, who cares? You move on to West Virginia, go get a win there. Okay. Fifth toughest schedule remaining for BYU over the final five games of any college football team in America, according to ESPN's FPI. Fifth well, then. toughest. Granted, they have Texas and Oklahoma in there, and you got to go on the road to West Virginia and, and Oklahoma, Oklahoma State. State. Oklahoma State looks good now. <laughs> There's, so I think we're all circling Iowa State as, okay, maybe, maybe. <laughs> I, Matt Campbell is the sixth Iowa win. State. <laughs> yeah. And they are playing much better as well. Yeah. The clone's in town, man. Okay, it's our two for Tuesday. We have two questions okay. on this day. Cool. Of course, question one is, which record would surprise you in the final five games? You've heard what Jeremy and I think. Zero yeah. wins would surprise us. Yep. Think anything two or more would be a surprise for us two's to not a degree. Two's not a shock. Three, Three would, be a, would be a shocker. Yes. yes. Okay. Sydney Bowerbank answers on Instagram. Realistically, three and two would yeah. surprise me, considering the rest of the season BYU faces the top four teams in the Big Twelve. Oh, I didn't think about that. <laughs> well then, I see BYU winning one, maybe it's true for the top five. Two more conference games, but we can hope, right? Let's win out, end the season 10 and 2, plus a bowl. 10 and 2. Blue goggle alert. Laughing slash crying. We have some huge blue goggles on the way that'll be on the set soon enough. Yeah, those won't even fit with 10 and 2. We're going to need those, yeah. (laughs) Question number two Which is the most winnable game left on the BYU schedule? We were FBI just says Iowa State. Opining about that, yes. FBI says forty-three yeah. percent chance to beat Iowa State. Mm-hmm. What do you think at Texas, Iowa State, at West Virginia, Oklahoma, or at Oklahoma State? Let's just pause for a moment and relish. Like it's October twenty-fourth, mm-hmm. and we have compelling games. Granted, probably too hard, but this is what we want. Uh, and BYU's five and two. And BYU's in a league in the power. Like this is not old hat. This is still new and exciting. This is awesome. You know what's crazy is if BYU can somehow channel that stat of the day trend and shock Texas, they'll be six and two. And ranked. ranked. (laughs) You could be right next week with like so many issues on offense, but just win. What a funny game. Aaron Roderick yesterday said on coordinator's corner, it was very interesting. Love that show. Um, Not paid promotion. Just love it. That they all scheme on each side of the ball just to win the game. Like it makes sense, but like, there are certain play calls that come from Aaron dictated on, well, we're up 20, and our defense is playing good. And it's worked so far. It's worked so yes. far. You, it's hard to critique. I know it's not as creative and explosive and, and even efficient as, and effective as we yes. want. Yes, they can do better. No, I'm not saying they can't. They can, yeah, they stink a lot of areas. But, like, hey, BYU's 5-2. Yes. I, I'm, I'm more than happy. And, listen, we had some people coming after us because of what was said on the show yesterday about, hell, yeah, well, you guys are the experts on offense. Uh, you clearly know more than Aaron Rodgers. No. Not saying that. No, never said but that. I do know what Kalani Satake told me after the game when he pointed to the scoreboard and said, we need to score more. We need to be yeah, more aggressive on obvious. offense. obvious. Yeah, come on. He, the head ball coach, said that. Yeah. So, I trust Aaron. And, frankly, 
he beat Texas Tech with the formula that he had instituted in the second half. But when the head coach was is like, it I want to see want? a little more. Yeah, no, 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 for sure. There's got to be improvement on that side of the ball. Because what I wanted was 40 points. I wanted just yes. a straight blowout. At least 30. At least 30 when Which, you're plus five. By the way, that's the third largest margin of victory versus a Power 5 team for BYU since 2016. 13-point win. Mm-hmm. How about that? Yeah, no, it was really good. And, and it, it took was, a late fourth-quarter touchdown. It was the fewest points allowed versus a Power 5 since Michigan State 2016 as well in a win. Or just... Straight up. Yeah. That was a better game than you think. Like, when I looked at it yesterday, I was like, oh, yeah. this is better than you think. All right. Answering question number two is Sean McCleary on Instagram. Answering which is the most winnable game left on BYU's yep. schedule. Tough slate. The most winnable looks like Iowa State sure. in Provo. Mainly because that is at home. Not top ten team at home. Better than, uh, easier than Oklahoma. Winning any <laughs> of the road games will be a surprise, but the most winnable road game is probably West Virginia even though that is a tall task. And we still don't know the kick time there. No. It's in a six-day window. They flexed into a six-day, which I cannot remember the last time this happened with BYU before. Well, it's one of, what, five games in yeah. the league, I think, next week? Give me. That they're like, hey, we are looking ahead. Let's go ahead and kick 7 p.m. Eastern time in Morgantown. There's no way. Let's get that five, screams, that 5 o'clock mountain window. <laughs> screams noon Eastern on the deuce. That's 10 a.m. mountain? No! I know. <laughs> That's the death knell of BYU. I'm trying to think how many times has BYU won that game? Like road game, noon, noon Eastern. Early start, Eastern time zone. Has BYU won that game before? I, I can't even recall. I can't even recall. Uh, yeah, I, yeah. It looks like I'm diving into CougarStats.com on kick yeah, today. When, yeah, when was the last time BYU won Hold my Eastern calls. time zone I'm looking for game with an early kick? Yeah, not good. What will be good continue to weigh in on our two questions of the day uh is BYU football with Kalani Satake tonight Jackson Cravens is the guest on the program 8 30 Eastern on the BYU TV app yesterday I spoke with BYU offensive lineman Paul Miley he has transitioned from center to guard why he says he loves the change and why it's making a difference this is BYU Sports Nation Our guards both played their best game. Paul Miley and Waylon Lapuaho both played very well. They were both really physical in the run game and were a big part of the reason why we had our best rushing game of the year. Oh, high praise for Paul Miley and Waylon Lapuaho from their offensive coordinator. Very high praise. By the way, quick look on CougarStats.com. Yeah, yeah. Uh, is, uh, you said UMass 2019 was a noon kick. Noon kick and BYU won. What, well, you know, you know what isn't UMass? Uh, Big 12. <laughs> Does UMass even count? <laughs> Let's go no. ahead and just go to, go to the next one. No. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> not available. Okay. No. no. We are live in Studio B. Oh, high energy today. Your day-to-day BYU sports play-by-play continues. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Paul Miley is the topic of the moment, and I had an interview with him yesterday to discuss his recent position change, moving from center to guard. Connor Pay comes in at center. There's been some shuffling along the offensive line. Paul explains why that's been a really good thing for BYU. He also talks about the opportunity to play in front of 100,000-plus in Austin. This is my one-on-one BYU Sports Nation interview with Paul Miley. Paul, when I present you the idea of playing in front of over 100,000 fans against a top-10 college football team, where do you go mentally and emotionally with that? Um, mentally and emotionally, it's just exciting. You know what I mean? That when you tell me a hundred thousand fans, ain't, that's exciting to me. And I can't wait for the opportunity to, you know I mean, be able to showcase what our team 
has, you know what I mean? And I mean, bring it. I heard Austin is a great environment, you know what I mean? Great game day environment. So I can't wait. What do you know about Texas's defense at this point and how they're going to try and disrupt you guys? I mean, they got a really good defense. I mean, a lot of athletic freaks, a lot of dudes, and uh, specifically a really good D-line. So I know they're going to try to apply that pressure, you know, and really try to get after us. But uh, I know if we can play our game, then I feel like we can match up with anyone in the country. So just, again, you know, excited for the opportunity. I know they're a really good, well-coached team, got a lot of good players. So can't wait for the opportunity. You've been around and involved in college football for a long time. You've seen a lot of different defensive fronts, and you've seen elite defensive lines in your time at Utah and certainly here at BYU. So will Texas do anything that's going to be unique that you have not seen? I mean, they could, you know what I mean? I feel like, as you're saying, played against a lot of really good D-lines, and, I mean, they got a really good D-line. So, I mean, they probably could, but end of the day, I know if I can control what I can control and, you know what I mean, play technique sound and play my game of football, then I don't care who's out, out in front of me, you know. So just excited for the opportunity. Paul Miley is with us on BYU Sports Station. You and the offensive line and the offense in whole put together the best running game that BYU has had this season, 150 rushing yards. LJ Martin, Aiden Robbins running behind you and your guys up front. What was the difference, in your opinion, that allowed – a breakthrough performance that you haven't had until the game against Texas Tech? Uh, I feel like the biggest difference was, was just being able to start fast. You know, LJ breaking that long 50-yard run, second play of the game was huge and was definitely a big momentum boost for us and definitely the spark we needed. So I feel like having that on our first drive and being able to build off of that was huge. And, I mean, it showed at the results of the game. I mean, we were able to rush for 150, so it was awesome. What's it like to have Aiden Robbins back and healthy running behind you? A-Train, that's my guy, man, and definitely brings a whole different energy, not just, uh, I mean, what he can do on the field, but just his energy he brings. I mean, always juiced up and always, I don't know, he just, you, you definitely want to block for a guy like that, so it was big time having A-Train back. Things have been switched up on the offensive line a little bit. You and Waylon are playing at the guards. Connor is back at center. Braden Kime is now one of the tackles along with Kingsley. How do you feel about the solidarity of the group up front and the way that the starting five is concocted right now? So I uh, like it a lot. You know what I mean? It's uh, what the coaches feel is best and what they feel will help the team the most. So I feel like everyone's pretty happy. And it's just, I don't know. I haven't played guard in a while. So I feel like it's <laughs> been an awesome, you know what I mean? Awesome experience so far. And I started off as a guard. You know what I mean? I played center majority of my time during college, but I started off as a guard. So it's nice to, play guard again, be able to pull, you know, be able to run and just show what I can do with my athleticism. And then CPA's done a heck of a job at center, you know what I mean? Really being the anchor that we need and making all those calls. And then Waylon, you know, he's young, but he's a baller. So, and then our tackles, Kime and Kingsley doing their thing. So I feel like it's, it's been great. You know what I mean? And hopefully we can keep on building off of, uh, I mean, the starting five we have right now. You already mentioned it a little bit, the differences between playing center and guard, but if you could specify the biggest difference there moving from center to guard? Biggest difference is I feel like center is you're just another quarterback. I mean, you got to know what everybody's doing. You got to tell everybody what who to block. I mean, see like if any who's blitzing. If I got guard, you can just, yeah, it's you get a lot more one-on-ones, but you can just play fast. You only got to worry about your own job, worry about what me and Kingsley got to do. But if 
but yeah, the biggest thing is just that mental aspect. Center, you you got to be on your. I mean, know a lot of different. No, no, everything that's going on. A great answer, and uh, maybe in a weird way that benefits you having done that with uh, being able to help out some of the other guys. Like you, you find yourself being a coach even though you're not the center, still kind taking on some of those offensive line quarterbacking roles. Yes, sir. Yeah, I feel like it's nice having two. You know, what I mean, me and even when I was the center and CP was the guard, we always just joke around. It's like we got two centers on the line, so like we should never like not be on the same page. So, yeah, I feel like it's. I don't know. I haven't. I feel like I haven't been able to play like this fast in a really long time because at center, it's like you think it's snap, and then you're thinking, all right, what's everyone else doing? So it's just it's nice to be able to play fast and just physical, you know. So, but yeah, I feel like see a lot of things and help out Connor where I can. So. Now, the offensive line has taken some heat. And to your credit, you guys have accepted accountability. You've gotten better. And maybe some of that is undue or unfair. But where do you feel like the offensive line has gotten better since the beginning of the season and where you still need to even be better? Um, I feel like where the offensive line has done well during the season is just protecting, you know. I feel like we've done a really good job straining in the pass pro and really trying to keep Keaton clean. There's a couple of times, you know, I mean, he has gotten hit, but it's just got to strain a little bit longer. But I feel like we have done a really great job in the pass protection and then just trying to establish that run game. I know we could run the ball, and I know everyone in this building know we can run the ball, but we just haven't been able to show it until this last week. So it's just building off of that in practice and trying to just establish it more. And, yeah, I feel like just getting that ground game going. How do you handle that um, criticism emotionally and and – maybe work through it and then use it to motivate you? Um, for me personally, I feel like it's just, if they're not in this football building, shouldn't really take what any criticism anyone has to say. And I mean, just worry about the opinions of those that actually matter. You know what I mean? And everyone in this building and yeah, just take it with a grain of salt, I guess, and just do what you can do, control what you can control and just work hard every day. Well, hey, I mean, you can point to a five and two record at this point right now as a pretty good indicator of, of where this team is through seven games. And you're going to be a big underdog going to Texas. But Sorry. I'm guessing that like your teammates, you relish that that underdog mentality. So uh, how how much do you buy into that and, and discuss it with the guys when you know that you're not going to be the favorite, but you have a chance to disrupt the college football world? I mean, just excited. You know, I mean, it is what it is. Just always got to play with a chip on our shoulders. So I just see it as more motivation. So excited for the opportunity and can't wait for the Saturday. Oh, man. Neither can we, for sure. Looking forward <laughs> to you play in front of that raucous crowd in an amazing college football environment. Uh, Paul, appreciate uh, how open you are and, and honest. And and here's some BYU Sports Nation karma. Take it. Go play well. Share it with your offensive line, brethren. And we'll see you in Austin. Will do. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate y'all time. Paul Miley on BYU Sports Nation. I thought it was very interesting that he said, yeah, I, I kind of forgot how much I loved being at guard and just being able to focus on my specific responsibilities there and just almost take like a mental breather for a second at center instead of having to be the quarterback for everybody. It just it feels like a good fit back at guard for Paul and Connor back doing his thing at center. Connor was so good last year at center on one of the best BYU offensive lines ever. And you're trying to find something that works uh, with Daryl Funk and Harvey Young in the run game and, and uh, Aaron Roderick calling the plays, right? And it hasn't totally worked. So you've had to mix things. We saw, you know, a little more Simi Moala at, at right tackle, 
Uh, we've seen Braden Kime. Braden Kime's been getting the start the last two games at right tackle. There you go. So, yeah, we've had, uh, you know, mix and match to try and find it. Cause, and now with Aiden Robbins back, perhaps it's different. Hopefully it is. And Saturday, we've got you covered for a two-hour pregame on BYUSN Game Day. Spencer live from Austin and the boys, including Austin Colley, who's doing a great job. Fun to watch Austin with, uh, with the guys. 1.30 Eastern on Saturday, two hours, baby. Yeah, a couple of Austin features on BYU Sports Nation Game Day. One by name and the other in the city where the game's going to take place. Which Austin shall prevail? Let's go. Hopefully both. Up next, is Jimmer Fredette about to reach the pinnacle of his basketball career? We'll explain next on BYU Sports Nation. You're saying playing New Mexico, wasn't it? BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Follow this program uh, on uh, social media. We have Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. The name of the show is uh, BYU Sports Nation. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. In Studio B, I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out your Tuesday headlines. BYU cornerback Eddie Heckard is the Big 12 Defensive Player of the Week. That's what happens when you have four tackles, a TFL, an interception, a pass breakup, and recovered a fumble for a touchdown. And he dropped another interception, which is killing himself we, over. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about it anymore. It's Tuesday. We're moving on. Just kidding. On the offensive side of the ball, the Cougars are looking to be better on third downs, says offensive coordinator Aaron Ryder. And our biggest problem with third down offense this year has been too many third and longs. So if, if we can continue the trend of improving in the run game a little bit and be a little more efficient on our early downs, uh, that, that'll be our best chance to improve on third down. Amen. Free game Saturday on BYU TV and BYU Radio starts at 1.30 Eastern time. We already talked about him, but we're going to do it again. Fred Warner, hey. 13 tackles, a tackle for loss, and a pass breakup. That incredible leap over the line, a goal line situation. But the 49ers lost 22-17 to the Minnesota Vikings. How, you ask? Because... The parody of NFL action. You just can't predict it. Puka Nakua, by the way, named the PFF Week 7 Player of the Week, or is that on the Team of the Week, I should say, recording eight catches for 154 yards against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Number seven, BYU Women's Soccer beat UCF on senior night, 3-2 from goals by Ali Fryer, Olivia Wade Katoa, and this game-winning rocket from senior Brecken Mozingo. Carol Warner wins back for BYU to Mozingo down, down the barrel. Mozingo, nice deke around the defender, goes far post, and off the post and in! What a shot and score from Brecken Mozingo! The postal service is always awesome. Oh, I love the postal service, dude. A little death cap for cutie uh, side yeah. gig there. Cougars finished in second place in the Big 12, two points behind Texas Tech. Texas Tech tying BYU ultimately is the difference in that. The Cougars play in the quarterfinals of the Big 12 tournament. Oh, a tournament, what's this? Next Monday against the winner of Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. I imagine that would be the Cowgirls looking forward to the tournament. BYU women's volleyball moves up one spot to number eight in the latest ABCA poll. Cougars play at Kansas State. Para matches on Thursday and Friday this week in Manhattan. And James Taft Fredette helped lead Team USA to the gold medal at the Pan American Games in Santiago, Chile. Awesome. Those are today's headlines. Now we offer some opinions in the whip. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Women's soccer went unbeaten in Big 12 regular season play, going 7-0-3, finished second in the league as mentioned. Will another BYU sport equal or better this in their first season in the league? Well, volleyball's right there, right? I mean, if, if it's going to be- You have two losses. 
But yeah, we're not saying anybody else is going unbeaten, but will anyone else finish second? I think volleyball? Yeah, I think women's volleyball probably is on pace to finish second. Yep. Granted, volleyball doesn't have a bad loss. Soccer has no. a bad loss at Utah State. That one, oh, that one's head scratch. That one's terrible. Right? But Volleyball's they, they bounce back nicely. Two losses, okay, are against, sorry, the two teams they've lost to are against teams that are still currently ranked above them. Texas and Washington State. Oh, yeah. They're in the top ten above BYU. And wild. they beat Pittsburgh and have beaten, like, three other ranked opponents. I don't think uh, – I mean, gymnastics is only five teams, so maybe you finish second to Oklahoma. Um, but base – Denver's pretty good, right? Denver's really Baseball, good. softball, uh, basketball, no. 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 I think women's volleyball is the best shot. BYU right now tied for second, two games behind Texas. I mean, where does cross-country fall into the mix? doesn't compete in the same way. It's not, it's not a little different. You're not paying. You're you're competing in like three meets, and then you go to yeah. Big 12 championships this Saturday, by the way. I mean, technically speaking, they're in a race with Oklahoma State. Literally a race, nice. Right to yeah. win it. No, it doesn't work. Okay. But uh, the the first Big 12 title titles come this Saturday, by the way. Let's cross go country. cross country. Absolutely could happen, and probably should happen. Speaking of titles, Jimmer Fredette, yeah. gold medal, Pan American Games. He's pacing to compete for Team USA in three-on-three basketball in Paris in the 2024 Olympics. Yeah. So my question is, would an Olympic medal for Jimmer Fredette equal the pinnacle of his basketball career? I'm going to say National Player of the Year is still the top thing. That was I, unbelievable. I, like, winning an Olympic medal is unbelievable, like in any sport, even if he switched sports. Three-on-three three is not five-on-five. Five. It does not carry the uh, interest or prestige. Uh, but, no, getting a medal is amazing. Don't get me wrong. I just think winning National Player of the Year as, like, a 6'2 kid that got, like, three scholarship offers is unbelievable. Yes. Jimmer Fredette owned the basketball world for this sliver of time where every NBA player is watching what this kid from Provo, Utah is going to do for BYU in the NCAA tournament, throughout the Mountain West Conference tournament. He led the nation in scoring, National Player of the Year. That's the pinnacle. There could be multiple peaks. That was just going to be a little bit higher than an Olympic medal would be for Jimmer. But it would still be a peak. I can't, yeah. I can't wait. And it's going to happen. Jimmer Fredette, the greatest missionary of all time, reached more people than Paul, which is wild. I can't, I can't I am, wait to watch I him in Paris. Up. He's going to compete for Team USA. In Paris! Let's go. Green Bay Packers uh, reporter Cassidy Hill tweeted out this video asking, is Zane Anderson even real, bro? <laughs> it's Utah. Yeah, we have some strange pains over there. Zane Anderson uh, is real. We know this, and he's spectacular. How do we know this isn't AI, but this is really Zane? Uh, so here's my thing. That can happen now, apparently. Like, I know you're, you're intrigued by his name, but it almost felt like an, just an insult. Wait, that's your name? Like, don't do that. Don't be that person. Jerem, that's, that's your name? I do have to explain my name to people because it's from the Book of Mormon, right? People have never seen the spelling of my name in their life if they haven't read the Book of Mormon. So, so I, in, in fact, I kind of enjoy that, actually. I'm sure she I'm okay didn't mean to be condescending, but like that question to me feels condescending. I think her team, uh, sorry, his teammates were having some fun with him, with the reporter. So I'm not as maybe put off as you seem to be. But. Is even real? Yeah. Yeah, it's my name. <laughs> it's weird in Utah. He's having to explain why he has his name. Well, the, yeah, and I thought that was about one of his teacher's names. I think that was, to me, I thought that was the context oh, okay. of one of his teacher's names was a little different. And Zane's unique, too. <laughs> How many Z names are there? I have a daughter with a V name. Like, it's different. Vienna? No, Vena. It's all good. I embrace it. This is the land of weird names with the end being Lee. Isn't the there a famous Zane from a boy band? 
right? No, is there? Is there from One Direction? Man? Blaine, anybody? Oh, oh, in One Direction. Is, is it that direction. weird? Yeah. Is, is, that, is his name that weird? But he's British, so who knows? <laughs> hey, check out the blue and white scrimmage. Uh, BYU men's basketball coming up tomorrow night on BYU TV. 9 Eastern time, our first look at the boys in blue and white ahead of the season. Let's go. go. You're right. You know what? I, I like Zane a lot. I'm going to be defensive because I just Zane's my guy. Zaniel. He's my, he's my guy. Up next, Uncle B, also my guy, joins us to describe what would surprise him in the final five games for BYU football. Can he see the Cougars winning three? This is BYU Sports Nation. Speaking of boy band charm. This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Yeah. Hey, turn the energy up. We got the juice and it spills on everything that we touch. Yeah. We got the drip, no other options. You breaking the noise, okay, let's get it rocking. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. We are live in the studio, Bizzle. We have moved over to the Cougar Council Room as we welcome in Uncle B, dual threat analyst of football and basketball. We're focused on football today with BYU staring down Austin, Texas, and the number seven ranked Texas Longhorns. Blaine, BYU's five and two. We're still trying to figure out how exactly it's happened in some regards, but nonetheless, they're five and two and have a shot to get bowl eligible against Texas. How are you? How would you summarize the season to this point? It's actually on schedule for what we talk. Like, it, it's so funny because we were talking about this yesterday about, okay, here's what's left. They have a, a top 10 schedule. Some say a top five schedule in terms of toughness to end the season. Where are they relative to where we thought they would be? So I went back to all my notes and I pulled out this sheet. This is from two weeks before the season when okay. we were talking. And, and here's what I said. Seven wins is the over-under. And here's the wins in my mind. Sam Houston, Southern Utah, Cincinnati, Iowa State, Texas Tech, at Kansas, and at West Virginia. I had them losing to Oklahoma, at Texas, at Oklahoma State, at TCU, and at Arkansas. So with the exception that Arkansas and Kansas flipped, yep. they're exactly where I thought they were going to be at this point. Okay. Right? And, and so my question now is, can they, like, so that was a pretty good prediction through seven, one exception, because there's always going to be a surprise, and not two surprises, really. I thought they'd get Kansas, and I thought Arkansas was going to be better than they are, right? Yeah. So, so where do they, you know, can they hold true? Do, do they go out and get West Virginia on the road? You know, do they get Iowa State at home down the stretch? I, I think those are legitimate opportunities for them to win down the stretch. And then it's not out of the question that they get one of those other ones that I predicted is a loss. Could they catch Oklahoma, who I think is crazy talented, way more talented than BYU, at elevation, in Elliott, like maybe there's it, there's some there's day. some magic to maybe late season weather elevation to have Oklahoma in there. More Just give me an after five yeah. kick in that game. Blaine. More likely they get really really hot and feel a little bit better offensively against Oklahoma State and maybe get that one on the road than Oklahoma or Texas, right? But uh, yeah, so so I think the right were we kind of all thought they would be from a record perspective. Now, national folks didn't think that, right? I didn't, I didn't think five and two. No way. Uh, I was with you. Like You agreed with me. Seven wins. Like To be on track for seven wins, I felt like they yeah. probably had to be five and two. They're one game ahead for me. And, and, like, I, and I said six. And I, was, I said I would be happy with six this year. I thought seven should be the benchmark. Eight wouldn't flabbergast me. Nine, I'd be like, whoa. <laughs> like nine would be okay. whoa. So eight, eight wouldn't shock you? 
At this point with eight, meaning three wins. Right, three they'd wins. get three wins. Um, at this point, knowing how the teams left on the schedule are playing, I would be more shocked than I would have been at the beginning of the Us season. Us too. We were talking about right. three, like yeah. one or two more wins, not surprising. Zero right. or three plus would be. Yes, okay. yes, absolutely. One, they're, they're going to get one one of these home games, right, I feel. Um, and, and two isn't actually surprising. Three wins with what's left. Oh, man. I'm going to go. We should celebrate, right? We should yes. celebrate yes. if they get three. And, and listen, the way the BYU offense is playing, I just don't see three wins out there. Yeah. But what if they can create more in the run game with a healthy Aiden Robbins? Riddle me this, uh, Blaine. BYU has not had a 400-yard game on offense. Right. Five and two, which is nuts. The defense is opportunistic, takes the ball away. The special teams has been spectacular. Three takeaways on punts this year is crazy, plus Rico, plus Will Farron's been pretty consistent. Can BYU put up a 400-yard game and finally give us like a 200-yard rush game? Do you see one game in the final five where that happens? And that, that schedule we just put up there, the weird thing is, is my eye draws to a game that I'm not sure that they can win, but they might get 400 yards. Okay, Oklahoma State? Uh, Oklahoma State. Yeah. And it's because Oklahoma State is ranked higher than 100 in, in total defense. They're 103rd in pass defense. And I feel like for BYU to have a 400-yard game, it's not going to be a 200-yard rushing game. It's going to be a game where they throw for 350. And I think that, that Oklahoma State is the type of team that if BYU gets hot, they might go throw for 350 and rush for 70 and get 400 yards. They're giving up 404 yards a game right now. Um, and getting a barn burner with them. And a game they could – that's why I'm saying on my lost side I had at Oklahoma State. I'm not so sure that that's not – if they get in a shootout and they have the ball last, that they couldn't win that one uh, on the road. But for me, win or lose, that's the most likely 400-yard game left on the schedule. Because but, but of the opposing defense. Because of the opposing defense. But that doesn't necessarily translate to, I think they win that game. Because they won a shootout last week with West Virginia, 48-34. That's right. a Big 12 kind that, of score. That's, yes. And that's, that, that's kind of, I feel like, a little bit of the identity of this Oklahoma State defense. So I would love to see that kind of game on the road for BYU and Keaton Slow was feeling hot and getting a little bit of a run game going and both teams over 400 yards and up and down because I feel like this defense has been disruptive enough with with two exceptions right two game exceptions and and weren't helped out by the offense not being taken care of the ball but if the offense takes care of the ball and the defense and special teams are disruptive the way they have been you don't have to be a high octane 400 yards plus a game team because you're being disruptive. You're creating turnovers. You're getting short fields. You win games when you're on the negative side of the total yardage ledger, and they've done that a bunch this year. Cincinnati is the perfect 98 allowed, and you win. Yeah, like you were up two scores late, and they you were up 35-13 in that game. Well, late. And, and, and talking to the <laughs> Texas to, to the coaching staff for Texas Tech on the defensive side, they're like, okay, this team moves the ball. They're really, they spread you out and they run the ball. They get chunk plays in the run game. Uh, we know they're playing their third string quarterback. Um, so don't be surprised if they rack up some yards between the 20s. But we're going to shut them down when they get to the 20 and we're going to manage points against this team and we're going to win. And I was like, okay, let's see. And then post game, I'm like, wow, that was a good call. Like, they knew what to expect. Um, they were very disruptive again, creating all kinds of turnovers. They had short fields offensively. Um, the punt game has been solid in special teams, so other teams have to drive long distances. So sometimes they get big yards and don't score. BYU seems to be able to stiffen up. The defense has been 
It's a defense that's very opportunistic. Sometimes they give up some yards, but they don't give up home runs over the top unless they have a blown coverage, right? And that's with a ton of backup safeties. Right. The fact that right. they have done that well has been awesome. And they may get Talon back this week, right, right. Alfrey, mm -hmm. who's, who's a really, really good player. I don't know that he'll play a bunch if he does come back this week. But, but Wakely and, and Ethan Slade – They've done a great job of understanding what they're supposed to do, staying on top of things, being the racer in the back end. So a big play for BYU against against their defense ends up being 17 yards, and they make a play. Right. And the defense has, they haven't been these 70-yard runs for the most part. Right. I'm talking about as a general rule, they haven't been a 65-yard bomb over the top of the defense. No. So let's credit those safeties for being where they're supposed to be and good corner play and enough pressure to make quarterbacks get the ball quick that these home runs haven't happened. Now, there was one last week against Texas Tech, complete blown coverage. Like, everyone in the secondary stayed in their man coverage, and the corner thought they were checking to zone and sat and let the receiver run by on a wheel route. That's a, that's a blown coverage. So that's not a, hey, we just got beat physically by a superior athletic team. BYU's proven that athletically, they can stay on top yeah. of stuff and keep everything in front of them which means that teams have to drive the ball and execute in the red zone to, to score. And who, when you play like that, you have a chance against anybody, including Texas this week. More of this master class available tonight with Blaine Fowler on After Further Review and the guys here in Studio B, although a little bit different format. We'll look forward to that. Thanks, Blaine. Thanks. 7 Eastern tonight, BYU TV app, After Further Review, as mentioned. Recapping Texas Tech, talking about Texas. Check it out tonight. Up next, a Texas-sized Top 5 Tuesday. Hey. What are the Woo! top five plays all time in BYU's history against the Longhorns? This is BYU Sports Nation. We're going back to the 80s, baby. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation. A bit of news from the basketball offices. We just learned that tomorrow's blue and white basketball scrimmage has been canceled. So no basketball tomorrow. Exhibition a week under. from tomorrow. Yes. Look forward to that. Can't wait for the exhibition. Now we take it to the big screen. Some big plays. Top 5 Tuesday featuring the top five BYU football plays all time against specifically the University of Texas. Nin Kick us off, Jerem. 1988, pick six, Rodney Rice. Yeah. Son, son Quentin played, plays BYU. 70 yards to the house on Texas quarterback Shannon Kelly. One of four picks by the BYU defense. A 47-6 win against number 19, Texas that day. How about that? Let's keep it in the 80s. 1988 specifically. We have a Sean Covey sighting here, Jerem. Same game. Bryce Doman, the recipient of this Sean Covey pass. This got the Cougars started en route to a 47-6 win. 80 yards right there. Part of a 402-yard passing effort from the Cougars. Remember when that happened? I don't. <laughs> uh, number three, Jordan Leslie, 2014 at Texas. Falls to the ground. Juggling catch from Taysom Hill. Part of a huge day for BYU. Bobbled and caught inside the 20. Huge catch for the future NFL Jordan Leslie. Got it. Give me that. Unbelievable catch right there. And he was called for holding earlier in that game. It was not a hold. Yeah. Number two, 2013. I know all of you remember this play. What a, what a play. I was just talking to Taysom Hill about this in Texas a few weeks ago. 68 yards, running away from everybody. The dude with the knee brace. 
Everybody, check out my taillights. I'm headed to the end zone. I'm a good white dude with a knee brace, 66-yard run against Two, the top 15 team. 200. <laughs> he had 259 yards kid? rushing by his lonesome. In 2014, number one, the Hillhurst. Of course. 2014, it's a big play going back to pass. Second and eight, Taysom running to his left, gets into third gear. Whoop! He told you, uh, or Dave and Blaine after the game, those guys were going for my knees all day. I knew I could throw a hurdle at them. And what a play as the backward hat cladded Jason yes, Hill and yes. BYU just destroyed Texas that day, 41-7. You know who's watching that game in 2014 and saying, see, what do you do? Manny Diaz. Manny Diaz. You fired me and you guys can't stop next year. <laughs> he's, st he's still going. He's sticking around. He's sticking he's around. Those are the top five BYU football plays all time against the University of Texas. Can, can there be a play like that on Saturday? That's I feel what we like hope. There, I feel like there has to be if BYU wants to win this game. Like an all-time Something kind of special, right? All those plays were like distance. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Like chunk plays. Let's go. LJ Martin, give us something. Let's go, man. All right, our question of the day. Which is the most winnable game left on the BYU schedule? It is our poll question of the day. What do you think? Texas, Iowa State, West Virginia, Oklahoma, or Oklahoma State? In response, our elite voice of the day, presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated, comes from Benjamin Bailey on Instagram, who says, Oklahoma. <laughs> Hear me out. Okay, then. I know it's a stretch because that is a good football team, but BYU is at home. Cougars are undefeated at home, by the way, this year. 4-0. Yeah. The Rock will play a big factor in the game, and BYU will upset them. I expect OU to be ranked in the top five when BYU matches up with them, so it will be a great upset win. 8-15 kick against Oklahoma late November? It's not unrealistic unreal to think BYU can compete in that game. So why not? BYU at home at night, tough to beat, man. Only three teams have since 2019. Just give me that nighttime kickoff against Oklahoma. <laughs> We need it, man. We're like, 820, please. <laughs> please. Please. Today's Rise and Shoutout presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Give them for that gold at the Pan American Games, three on three. Awesome. Whew. Our thanks to today's guests, Paul Miley and Blaine Fowler. Sorry to Dennis. You didn't have a good play against Texas. <laughs> for Jeremy, I'm Spencer. Shout out to Sean Doman. After further review tonight, 7 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Go Cougs.